What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. I'm your host of today's show, Steve McCutcheon, along with my two co-hosts, Vito Anazelli, Michael Noen. Say hello, boys. How's it going, Steve? Good evening, Steve and Vito. How you guys doing? Feeling good, man. Feeling good, there, bro. Trying to really pump it up. I'm absolutely fucking tired tonight. <laughs> so <laughs> don't worry, I mean, we can tell. We have another great show for you guys today, but before that, please take a moment, hit the bell, and subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod. But before we get started, we got some news and notes from around the world. Uh, biggest talking point, I think you guys already mentioned it uh, pre-podcast, we have the Lens and Leal Brawl. What are we feeling about that? Yes, I mean, second major incident in uh, League One so far this year. Um, this one a little bit more serious than the previous one between Marseille. Um, I forget where they were playing, but um, yeah, halftime rolled around and hundreds of Lens supporters decided to storm the field, in particular, storm the Lille visiting section and just started going bull for bull with them. I mean, it suspended the match for about 30 minutes or so. They were deciding whether or not to finish it. They did end up finishing it and Lens actually came away victors, both in the fight and in the match. So <laughs> how, do, how, do, wait, how do they judge the fight? Who, who is judging this? Well, it was like, I feel like when you have enough anger to storm the field to get to the other team, you're probably going to win the fight. You know what I mean? Um, oh, it's embarrassing. Yeah. Maybe Conor McGregor should try that tactic out, but um, yeah, it's sports big time. It, it raises more questions in league one about their crowd control. You know, I, we, I jokingly said it last time, you know, if something like this was going to happen, are there stewards and security enough to prevent this? And clearly, clearly there isn't. And um, I mean, this doesn't seem like it's something that, that could not happen again. I mean, two times in the opening couple of weeks, there's got to be some type of punishment. What do you guys think is, is going through the heads of the FA over there? Yeah. I mean, either they need to get new stewards because whenever this is the second time this has happened, you ever see that like GIF or, or GIF online of like the guy in like the overcoat, like at the Coachella and he's like, kind of what he's like doing that. Yeah. He's like, yeah, he's yeah. like, barely <laughs> yeah. like that's, that's what I'm imagining goes on at these games where they're like, okay, you're fine. And like people are just walking in with like baseball bats and like boxing gloves and brass knuckles and stuff. And not to say that it's actually happening, but that's what I'm imagining in my head at this point, because they have a terrible, apparently, security precautions at these games. And they really either need to step up the security with the stewards and, you know, obviously train these people better to prevent this, or whether it's banning fan bases, some of the supporter groups, which are a little bit more, let's just say, ultra, a little bit more aggressive in some of those other leagues, France in particular, um, to docking, docking points, whatever it may or may not be, playing closed gate, closed behind doors, something's got to give because at the end of the day, like one, it disrupts the players. It's not safe for the players. It's not safe for the fans. It's not safe for the stewards delays the game. It's just, it's a shit show and it, it really has to end and stop. And hopefully they can figure something out, but I'm sure, you know, Amazon who just paid for the rights of this too, they're probably loving every second of it. just amplifying the, uh, <laughs> amplifying yeah. that league. So. Yeah. Um, well, just to give a little, little background on to how that came about, it seems that the visiting fans, <laughs> Uh, the Lille fans were were climbing the fence that were separating the two the two supporting groups, yeah. and they were hurling chairs and anything else they could pretty much get their hands on over. How the, did the, wait? The, how did how did they get chairs? In Dude, the we show up with a crowbar, <laughs> a power drill, like. <laughs> <laughs> You come prepared to do that. They you just know? had chairs, like there was a fucking Hulk was there. <laughs> but anyway, so Nice and Marseille that we mentioned, you know, the previous the previous brawl, Nice were deducted points for that, um, while some Marseille staff and players, um, including. Pyatt were suspended um, for provoking the supporters. Um, but I, I can't imagine the, the punishment's going to be any different than what we saw with Nice and Marseille at this point. But they need to get a grip on it and they need to do it quickly. If that means threatening close, closed door games, that maybe is just something you have to do to give these fans incentive not to do this. Yeah, I don't see really how there's really any, any more solutions besides that. I mean, the club's for the fans. So. I guess throw the punishment at the club because the fans fall and they, you know, they suffer as well. Mm-hmm. Really nothing else you can, I think can do security, no matter where you're going to be, unless you got one security guard for every, every fan in attendance is never going to be yeah. enough. Yeah. It's, it's more of a for show thing. And like, God forbid something breaks out, but you got 600 crazy fans. You're paying me 20 bucks an hour just to stand there. Yeah. No, I'm not getting between it. At all yeah, no, no, thanks. So I'd say dock points if anything too, like they got to start taking docking points like mm-hmm. really, cause that would obviously affect it. So. Yeah, at least so hopefully you would think it would. Yeah, no, I, I would think that's probably the, the, the number one thing they have to do. 
Then next up, we also got a United States women's <laughs> national team standout, Carly Lloyd, on her, I guess, retirement tour pretty much, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, five goals. Tour. Five goals in her last game. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm just was going to say 9-0 scoreline, and she contributed more than half is incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's to be at that level, producing at that long. Um, <laughs> I think, what is she? She's in the top five now. She just cracked it, or she needed, like, a certain number of goals to break into the top five, and then she just blew past it, right, in that game. And it's pretty incredible, to be honest, so. Yeah, big congratulations her. to her. I mean, like you said, Mike, she's been doing this forever. She's one of the best to ever do it for – you know, the, the women's national team. So from New Jersey as well, right? Rutgers. Is she? Is yeah, she? I think so. Wow. Yeah. I represent. Oh yeah, baby. <laughs> then uh, again, over actually in La Liga or not La Liga, uh, on League, League one. one, Messi got subbed off and did not look too pleased. <laughs> he was pissed. Yeah, and you can see in his face, person. he refused to shake Pochettino's hand or, you know, it's not going right for him so far. I mean, it can't help looking over and seeing Ronaldo scoring four goals in three games and Messi's got a blank after three um, in, in a much easier league. I mean, maybe he's used to taking the penalties. I know Neymar had one and he didn't get a chance to step up for that. I'm sure that just the pecking order as it goes, he just made the transfer over, obviously, um, and hitting the woodwork twice. But, I, I mean, I'd be a little pissed too if I'm Messi coming over and you're the, you're the best player in the world you have been for the last 15 years – and you're getting subbed out in a 1-1 game, an important 1-1 game. I, I understand his frustration, probably didn't handle it correctly, but uh, him and Pochettino got to get on the same wavelength. Yeah, I mean, you're paying, what, $40 million a year to this guy to be playing? Why are you subbing him? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, that makes no sense to me. Like, you brought him here for this specific purpose to play him, so he should be in unless he legitimately can't yeah, be it, running. It's like uh, taking Michael Jordan off the court with two minutes left in the game. Yeah, like there's no purpose. Genius idea. That. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can't really say too much. Um, they ended up didn't win, ended up winning that game in the 95th minute. Acardi scored a header yeah. to bring all three points to Paris. So, I mean, in hindsight, Pochettino might have got it right, but it's still a questionable call to take him off the field <laughs> at any given point in time. Yeah, no, I agree. And last but not least, we go over to Germany, and Holland scored a pretty nasty goal. Shades of Zlatan, literally shades of Zlatan. Um, he's, we talk about him, I feel like almost like every weekly podcast, like, or at least every other weekly podcast. He is podcast. the news and notes section. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the dude is unbelievable. Whatever team he goes to in the Premier League, just heavily bet to win, because at this point, he's going to score. <laughs> he's going to break with these records. Like, he's unbelievable, man. Like, what is it, 60, how many goals now? And how many games for Dortmund? Like, it's more goals than games. Yeah, he's he's at like 61, 63, something like that. Yeah. He's he's ridiculous. Yeah. Only uh Benzema actually has been directly involved in more league goals in the top five leagues this year than Erling Holland. I mean, he's 21 years old and he's I mean, he's probably one of the best strikers in the world at any given point in time. I think you're getting to the point now where you could almost debatably say he maybe. Could be Lewandowski's still showing out. That's right what now. I was gonna say. Maybe, but like, another year or two. Yeah, I maybe. Don't think, I don't think maybe the pure, purely the best finisher. Would that be outrageous to say? I'd still go Lewo. No, nah, I still go Lue as well. Very think, close. It's much I closer think, than it should be. I feel yeah, like you can't dethrone Lewandowski so early just because he's been doing the same thing Holland's doing, but for like eight years. Yeah, scored what eight, 18 straight now or something like that. It's an absurd. He scored number. in 13 straight Bundesliga games and his 19th consecutive goal in all competitions. So <laughs> that's that's bananas. an unbelievable <laughs> scoring streak. Absolutely bananas. Um, I mean, Dortmund's got to be kicking themselves in the ass if the rumors last year would be true that they the the release clause is what 68 million dollars this upcoming offseason for Holland. Yeah, instead of I mean, if going. it was just a purely like a bid, you're, oh, you're he, talking he, about he, close to buck 80 for him. Guaranteed. You you almost could probably push 200. Yeah. You, you probably could push for it. We'll get you'd to probably, it later. You'd probably get it. Yeah. We'll get to it later, but Pep Guardiola has to be sitting in that in the, oh, in the locker room after a 0-0 draw, one shot on target, going, damn, we should have just paid it. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. Let's, uh, let's head over to the Stars and Stripes section where we talk about all the United States men's national team standout performances across the, glo- uh, across the globe. Can't talk tonight, apparently. <laughs> 
Uh, first up, we got Gianluca Buzio there, Mike. Yeah, Gianluca, 76 minutes, one assist, two key passes. The assist itself was actually really nice on a free kick, sent it in from about like probably 35, 40 from like mm-hmm. the right right side. Perfect, perfectly placed onto the head of, of some defender, but awesome for him to kind of get on in the game, make that a play. They had a loss to Spezia, if I'm saying that correctly, but good to see him showing out nonetheless. Yeah, his 90th minute day, I think they gave one up. <laughs> It's unfortunate. That's, that's unfortunate. And then uh, uh, I was going to say the second one, too, from a Stars and Stripes perspective, Brandon Aronson, kid from Med. He's from Medford, right? Yeah. He is, Medford, he New, is. Jersey. New Jersey. Medford, New Jersey. Represent. Uh, 90 minutes played, one goal, 79% passing. Um, it feels like every time we talk about it, the Stars and Stripes piece, Aronson's name consistently up there. It almost kind of begs the question at this point, at least, you know, to me and to everybody else. So I feel like who's kind of tapped in, like, at what point does he make the jump from Austria to potentially the German Bundesliga? Because that's probably where he'll go next. Um, and like the terms of his evolution and development, but he's playing lights out for the U.S., for Salzburg. Um, he's looking really good, scoring clutch goals and clutch opportunities. Even in the Champions League, almost won the game with like a, a, banger, a banger of a shot. But yeah. Uh, the keeper made an unbelievable save. So, yeah, it's no, only a matter of time for him. If he keeps performing like this. Mm-hmm. Then we got uh, George Bello. Yeah, uh, I got two defenders to talk about here: Bello and McKenzie. Um, both had really good, uh, really good weeks for different reasons. Bello had a goal, which ended up being the eventual game winner in a three-two win against DC United. Eighty-three um, percent passing. Two chances created, completed a couple of dribbles, um, and won eight of 12 of his duels. So a really good week for him. <clears throat> While on the other side, McKenzie was a little more defensive-minded, but five of seven accurate long balls. He had five clearances and three interceptions and six recoveries, and his team also won as well. So really good really good work by both these guys this week. Yeah, and they're both putting in 90-minute shifts. So love mm-hmm. to see that uh, the game time's up there. Another defender we got to talk about, especially over in Germany, Chris Richards. Hopefully, we might be seeing him in the United States uh, World Cup qualifier very soon. But I had 90 minutes played, clean sheet, and a uh, 0-0 draw, 79% passing, 9 out of 13 duels won, 7 clearances, 5 out of 9 aerial duels, and 3 recoveries. And last player we got to talk about, Jordan Folk. And nothing else needs to be said right here, but except the scoring the game winner against Manchester United in the Champions League after a Jesse Lingard errant pass backwards. And he took full advantage of it for the, uh, I guess, late dramatics for uh, the young boys over there. And they're also U.S. national – or not U.S. national, but uh, U.S. coach as well. Yeah, that was absolutely epic to see, uh, especially him come on, get the game winner. Uh, the whole – it felt like the whole stadium was about to run onto that field. Speaking of – Oh, my yeah. God. People running onto the, onto the field. <laughs> for but, good uh, reasons. For good reasons. Yeah. But yeah World stage – I mean – very not going to get a lot of chances against a team like United. So putting that away in the 97 <laughs> minute, I mean, that's a, that's a lifetime moment to remember. Yeah. I mean the red card too, which t- and not to get too yeah. deep into that game, totally changed the game. And it was, a, it was a clear red card, but take your chance when it pops mm-hmm. up, he did it. So. Yep. Yeah. I'm curious what you guys think too. I know we have a, a few American coaches overseas and stuff. Jesse Marsh, probably, probably the most notable, I, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, over in the Bundesliga for, for Red Bulls. Um, what's your guys' take on him? He's had a really rough start to Bundesliga life. It's hard yeah. when they gut a quarter of your team and some of the yeah. more important players, to be honest. So I, I feel for him in that sense. Like he lost Utapacampo, whatever his name is. Upamakano. Upamakano. Yeah, he lost Karate. He lost Sabitzer. Yeah, to rivals too. Like, I mean, that, that that's rough in general. Yeah. Those are pretty key pieces. But um, at the end of the day, like, there's a reason they paid him to come over. There's a reason he was brought through that system because they obviously have trust and belief in him. But the results themselves right now, it, it feels like the team isn't necessarily buying into his style and his approach of what they're, they need and want to do. And he definitely needs to figure something out. And maybe, like, we were just talking about Aronson. And obviously, the Red Bulls have, you know, some type of, I, I guess. They're all the same. Yeah, yeah they're same. all the same system. So. Maybe there's some type of thing in January where he just kind of comes through and he's able to kind of bring him in. That's new lifeblood, but they're going to have to do something to really spice it up, especially at this point, it seems like in the January transfer window. So, yeah, I, I mean, you look at the three names Mike just mentioned, uh, plus Werner from last year. I mean, those yeah. were are clear and far away the four best players on that team. It, oh, yeah. You see how losing one player impacts the, the style of your play. Um, 
but to lose four of them from different parts of the field, like that right down your spine of your team. I, I don't, I mean, it's, I think obviously you're disappointed about the results at this point, but it's hard to place much of this blame at his feet. Cause even at times like when in the champions league, I don't think they played terribly in the six, three loss that they had to uh, man city, but still you let in six goals. So you have to take everything kind of with a grain of salt. It's going to take time for them to get up to, up to speed and learn how to cope without those weapons. But yeah, I see. I don't think he's gonna have a whole lot of time for that, though. Yeah, I don't know what the, I don't know how short the leash is gonna be over there. So it will be interesting to watch mm-hmm. uh, over the next couple of weeks and months. I mean, a team that's pushing for Champions League and mm. they have been consistently since they've been formed, you know, a couple of years ago. <laughs> but um, I mean, they obviously have high expectations, and if you're not cutting it, unfortunately, you're not cutting it. So be yeah, curious yeah. to see with the timings. Not to get down too big of a conspiracy, but. What if he's taking these games because he's expecting Berlharter to, uh, you know, get cut a little bit? <laughs> and he I don't think that helps his cause, talk, Mike. Talking, <laughs> maybe you never he's know. Trying to, he's just trying to free his schedule up so he's available. Yeah. Well. I, I, <laughs> I think the doing. biggest worry for for him and both for Leipzig as well um, is kind of the runaway nature of Bundesliga. How Bayern and Dortmund are always so far advanced, and I mean, you look at those top couple spots, and you're talking about teams with. 10 12 13 points already so for them to be at four they're a long ways off it's not like the the, the premier league where they, they have you have time to make up ground like those top teams are just going to run away with that league yeah no it's, it's definitely interesting to watch especially what just what the what the board wants to do with them and everything so let's head over to uh the premier league which we were supposed to really be covering right now and let's go over to last week's games um uh, first up we had wolves and brentford I was coughing a lot, you know, like it's, like I said, it's been a rough day. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But yes, from the recap, Wolves, Brentford, Brentford, a 2-0 win. So after scoring, finally getting off the mark, uh, Wolves really took a step backwards, unfortunately for them, uh, in this week's game against Brentford. Brentford even went down to 10 men. It was a pretty crazy game in general towards the back half, but ultimately they came back. Uh, were able to get their first away match, away match win, which is obviously huge for them as a newly promoted team. Past what was it, seventy years when they when they pretty last much, yeah. Unbelievable for them. I mean, the start of the season, in all honesty, really couldn't get off. I couldn't picture a better start for them. They're probably sitting exactly where they want to be, um, <clears throat> kind of kicking into gear as they need to be. So mm-hmm. awesome for them to see. But Wolves, I, I will say, starting to get a little concerned. Um, you know, at this point, because they obviously had that one win, felt like they got the monkey off the back. Maybe this is the time. This is one of those games that probably for them, they feel like they drop points and should be winning to mm-hmm. kind of put themselves in the mid table. I wouldn't say relegation, but I would say like they're definitely sliding down that bottom half right now. It's it's some worrying signs from where they used to be, right? We knew now they were up to seventh the first year back. You know, last year again, another mid table side and stuff, but yeah. they're, they're not going forward. They're, they're coming down. So a little bit of, uh, you know, concern there. I, again, not relegation candidates in my mind either, but still mm. not looking good right now. Then yeah. we had uh, Burnley and Arsenal. Yeah, I won't spend a whole lot of time on this. It was a it was a one win for Arsenal out last week. I think Burnley were a little unlucky at times not to find an equalizer, especially in that second <clears> half. <throat> but I think the, ma- the main talking point of this match is that Martin Odegaard free kick, a wonder strike into the top corner. Um, it, Where's it Mama had the cookies knowing? Top shelf. <laughs> top shelf, baby. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it was... I think the most interesting part of it is Odegaard's comments about a week or two ago um, when he was questioned on why he wanted to sign for Arsenal and this mm-hmm. and that. He was saying that he wanted to try to you know, pretty much drag them by himself if, he, if it, that's what it took back to Champions League places and hopefully to eventually win the Premier League again. And I mean, talk about putting your money where your mouth is, comes up, steps up yeah. with a free kick when his team needs it and just absolutely buries it. I, that game is looking very likely at a zero zero scoreline and another game without a goal for Arsenal, if he doesn't do that. So um, it, early looking, it's like he's going to have a pretty big impact on this team. He's very much a baller. Like he's, he's a good player. He's, he's the heir to Ozil realistically. Like he's, he's that playmaker for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they got a nice young squad behind him too. They're, they're definitely, I think they might be trending, especially after, I mean, yeah, we made, we, you know, made fun of them all throughout the first couple of games, especially Arteta and like what's going to happen with him. But um, he's. I think, yeah, like Vito said, he's definitely the guy that they need to just kind of help carry the team into the future and what they, what they're looking to do. 
Um, they didn't have that before, and now maybe it's a little bit of an identity with him. So I think who knows? to that point, Steve, you're talking about like the younger players, and I feel like a lot of them are buying really into like the methodology, like the Odegaards, the Emil Smith Rose, the Sakas, and that's the yeah. kind of players that he really should be focusing on and working on. And there was obviously rumors about Aubameyang leaving, Lacazette leaving. As much as that might pain Arsenal fans, maybe those people do need to go to kind of create that new atmosphere yep. and culture for that team. So, yeah, it could, it could be a, a addition by subtraction, kind of a positive thing. Yeah. The next up, we had Liverpool, Crystal Palace, Liverpool 3 0 win. Not really much to this. It was one team all, all the way through. Crystal Palace started off, hit the woodwork in like the second or third minute or something like that. But after that, it was all Liverpool. Uh, props to Manio Sane, scored his 100th goal for the club and also set a record. Um, where he scored his ninth consecutive goal against Crystal Palace in all competitions. So interesting to see that. I, I guess Crystal uh, Christian Pulisic isn't the only one that loves to play Crystal Palace. <laughs> uh, Salah and Keita ended up scoring later on the match to steal all three points. Keita scored a right. banger. Curls, a yeah, worldy banger. Liverpool's hoping for a little bit more of that from him in the midfield. Yeah, I feel like he's um for how much they paid for him, definitely under underperformed for the value of what they got so far. He, he was underperforming the moment he got to the club for the most part. I, I mean, there wasn't, there was spurts was of seeing that player bit. that they purchased. He was, yeah. He was, yeah, but he was never, he hasn't been the same for Liverpool as he was for uh, Leipzig. No, not even close. Talk another one leaving Leipzig. Yeah. Then we got man, uh, probably the Shocks <sighs> scoreline, I think of the, of the week almost. Uh, mm-hmm. Man City 0-0 Southampton. Yeah, it was uh, quite the game, to be honest. There was pretty controversial calls, a couple of our calls in that game uh, towards the end with the Kyle Walker penalty. And then um, I think there was a penalty shot at the end, too, for, for City or something along those lines, if I can't remember correctly. But um, ultimately, I mean, it was, it was a good game, right? It was for talking about points for Southampton. They held on, held them to a scoreless City. City really looked like a team that regrets not spending 130 or 140 mil on either Holland or Kane or anybody who has the ability, maybe Martin Braithwaite, if he's available. Yeah. <laughs> Pull a bar. So we'll get Lord Butner on the phone. <laughs> whoa, whoa, they, whoa. they just need somebody who's a real number nine because it is really, really showing. Um, yeah. I mean, 16 shots, right, for City, one on target. That is some poo poo numbers to say the least. First time that's happened against- to them since 2017. Yeah, that's that's not good enough, especially against Southampton. So um, it's weird there. though. So we just brought up with when in their Champions League game at the same time though they they, they dropped six. So it's like it's weird because sometimes they do look like the Southampton game where they, they can't do anything. They did it with Tottenham too, and mm-hmm. then they have other you know just explosions at the same time. I think it what the when they play bad is when teams really start to compress the their like final third and don't allow them to play like that true pet ball where they're trying to do the tiki taka trying to go in and out right mm-hmm. and that's where they have they're missing that true nine to have the hold up play and kind of bounce those passes off because they don't cross the ball and they don't have anybody to go in for like those you know aerial duels and that's where they're really weak for the most part right um and when teams do that like a southampton who know they have to hit on a counter like a tottenham who hit on the counter you know, True. that's what that's when they are able to really open up and play against them well because those fullbacks are so far up the field. Yeah, so. it, I think it's very reminiscent of how Chelsea looked last year without Lukaku, not no real height. It was the same thing, sit low block and compress the center of the mm-hmm. the year on 18. And you want to shoot from 20 out and you can put it in, go, go for, for it. you. But we're yeah. not going to give you those easy headers. And it looks like City's struggling with the same thing. So it's, yeah, they need Kane. And Kane needs them. <laughs> <laughs> Match made in heaven. Yeah. Then we had North City and Watford. North City and Watford. I had this as one of the games that I wanted to really watch last week, other than obviously the marquee matchup of Chelsea Tottenham. But um, this is pretty disappointing for Norwich. After such At a difficult home. start to their season and the team that they had to face, this was their first truly 50-50% chance of winnable game. And – they didn't look very good. They ended up um, losing this game 3-1. They were at home. Granted, um, Sar put on – Ismael Sar put on a master class. He had two goals. He had like a nine-point-something rating, I think, too. Um, but it just – it wasn't it wasn't good enough for Norwich. And now, I mean, I think, Steve, we said it was – this is 15 straight Premier League matches now um, with a yep. loss. 
since the 29th. Back to the last season. time they were up in the top flight. Yeah, they lost 10 straight to end the season. They've lost five straight to start this one. Yeah, gotta, I mean, they got to be serious relegation candidates now because these are all coming up to be must win games. Because we were saying before, like, they're going to start getting run away. Like, it's going to get too far. The gap's going to get too far for them soon. Yeah. And you know what? Truthfully, I mean, look at, if you look at it from a stat line perspective, the numbers weren't bad. I mean, possession was about the same. They, they generated a lot of shots, um, decent pass success rate, success rate at like 80 something percent. But you can't lose to a team that you're fighting with to be at the bottom of the table, 3 1 in your home soil, and think you have a chance of staying up. I mean, you need to be stringing together wins from here on out to give yourself even the slightest glimmer of confidence and a chance. It's got to be a gut punch, too. Like yeah. An absolute gut punch. So. They got the work cut out with for them. Good luck. Good luck. Then we had Ashton Villa and Everton. Ashton Villa took a 3 0 win. Um, honestly, this game was looking like a draw. There really wasn't much going on in it for the most part. And then all of a sudden, in like a nine minute span, Ashton Villa did what Everton did last week, actually, just absolutely blitzed them, scored three goals courtesy of Cash, uh, Digne Ongol, and Leon Bailey. Um, Good for them. Everton was also missing, though, Richarlson, uh, Calvert-Louis, and Pickford and Nett. So they're down some guys and didn't look as creative. But good for Ashton Villa. I think this is the type of team that that one stretch was what everyone's thinking they could be when they made all the signings with the Jack Grealish money. So Mm -hmm. maybe they're not missing Grealish as much. I don't think they're going to push necessarily as high as they maybe thought they could in the beginning of the year. But the following season, I think next year, they're going to be really, really tough to beat. Yeah, they just need some time to gel together. That's the biggest mm-hmm. thing with all the new players and whatnot and maybe getting used to the system, but they, they looked they looked pretty good. Yeah, no, absolutely. Then uh, start off with the Sunday <sighs> games. We had Brighton, Leicester, a little bit of drama. Little bit of drama. And shout out the stateside Seagulls as well, too. They got the 2-1 win, so congrats to you guys. But um, yeah. yeah, plenty of drama on the Sunday morning between Brighton and Leicester at the Amex. Malpay got home. Or put on the penalty, I should say. But VAR honestly probably should have taken it back for a little bit of a handball on Vestergaard. As the replay shows, he was like just being fouled by Malpe when the incident really occurred. So obviously, luck in their favor. Take it when you get it. Welbeck doubled the lead or the lead, sorry, over at halftime. And Vardy was able to pull one back for the visitors, but ultimately wasn't enough time to really overturn the scoreline. Um, so shout out to Brighton. They're making the most of their chances. That was, you know, one of the bigger things we spoke about too, with like the stateside Seagull and their, and, um, and their kind of team over there, Paul. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're finishing the chances that are coming up for them. So that's, that was the biggest thing in general. Yeah. And Lester also had two goals disallowed. Harvey Barnes was ruled offside twice during them. So they had two knocked off and a lot of controversy just, you know, throughout the entire game, but you know, Brighton at home took it, took it away. So good for them. Then we had West Ham and Manchester United. Uh, West Ham's Ben Rama started off the scoring in the 30th minute. Fifth goal created in five games. Just wanted to say shout-out to my boy for breakout player of the year. That's me. <laughs> and then uh, Ronaldo equalized basically five minutes later right away. And then although he kind of shut on Jesse Lingard earlier in the show, he went from zero to hero after his midweek debacle and scored the game winner in the 89th minute with an absolute, you know, pretty, pretty brilliant shot. Big talking point, though, actually came out after that, shockingly. And West Ham was earned, earned a penalty. Moyes apparently didn't learn anything from the Euros finals penalty shootout. Brought on Mark Noble to take it, <laughs> his first touch of the game. And I think we all know the outcome of what happened. So, Yeah, I'll never first, understand why a coach would do that. <laughs> don't get it, dude. I don't get it. I know legs can be tired, but, like, first touch, no shot. Yeah, it's actually um, – that was David De Gea's first penalty save in, like, seven years, I think, too. Uh, the Premier <laughs> really? League. Yeah, he hasn't he hasn't saved a single one in like the better like close to a decade, literally. Jesus, he, he saved that one. So, yeah, good for them. And the last game of the weekend are marquee <sighs> matchups: Spurs nil, Chelsea three. Mike, cover those ears. Cover those ears, Mike. Eyes. Or pick those pants up because you're <laughs> fucking spank, bitch. <laughs> no, I, I mean truth, truthfully. I think for large portions of that first half, Spurs were the better side. Uh, I thought they controlled the ball better. I thought they moved it a little bit better. Um, they didn't really create too many clear opportunities. I think Chelsea had the, the better opportunities in that first half, um, but definitely let them squander. Mason Mount had one that just like pretty much skimmed past his foot. Lukaku couldn't get out of his feet. It was a whole debacle. But 
that's just another week of a, a Tuchel masterclass, which seems to be coming um, every week at this point where he's making these halftime adjustments and substitutions pretty early on, and they seem to be working out. Um, I mean, Rudiger, defender, Kante hasn't scored a goal since 2019 in the league. Um, and I forget who scored. Oh, and Thiago Silva, the defender, scores on a header. So good showing from Chelsea. Mm. Uh, little disappointing from Spurs. I know you guys have the injuries and everything going on there, but um, it just seemed like there was no way to get Kane involved in that match, and you can see the frustration going on later on. Um, and yeah. I think it's definitely a worrying point is that final ball creation that you're missing since Christian Eriksen left, and it can't all come through Sun. So I think it needs to be cleaned up on the, that half. Uh, that win shot Chelsea to the top of the table. And this is pretty crazy, actually. Chelsea and Liverpool. You saw that stat, too. Yeah, have the exact same scoreline week over week since the, since the start of the season. 3-0, 2-0, 1-1 draw where they played each other, and then back-to-back 3-0 wins. They are identical on every aspect, and that's why they're both sitting top of the table at the moment. Yeah, no, I I saw it too. That was really funny when you bring that up. I was I was I was hoping to be the one to do it, but I'll let I'll let you have it. <laughs> yeah, I would, just quick note. I didn't have a chance to watch the game too in depth because I was a little busy on Sunday. But um, from what I've read, what I've heard, they definitely do miss that Erickson piece to to your point, and they haven't been able to fill that void since he's left. Um, and that should ultimately be like a priority signing for Spurs, especially if that and Dumbele isn't going to play. If they're, they're not going to put Lo Celso in that hole, they got to get somebody who can pick a pass, who can really do something to make a dangerous play because yeah. it's too predictable. You uh, really just need Deli Ali to get back to form. Uh, it's easier said than done at this point. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. I saw who scored, put up like some stat the other day too, saying this is, and this is to the point of the creative midfielder, right? Joel Matip so far this season has had more touches in the opposition's penalty box than Harry Kane has this year. Granted Kane has had a slow start with the whole city thing, but regardless, Mm -hmm. that's the playmaker of the year. That's the goal scorer of the year with less touches than a defender for Liverpool. That's pretty, pretty bananas. Yeah. Something's got to change out of that. So Chelsea defenders have scored the same (laughs) amount of goals as Arsenal and uh, Spurs combined this year. Yeah, so something's got to change. So, yeah, it will eventually. Maybe. Yeah, I think you'll be okay. I think I think Nuno will pull you guys out of it. He definitely had the tactics spot on in the first half, and I think you, overall you guys were the better side for the first forty-five minutes. Um, but it's it's got to be a ninety-minute display, clearly. And I think the mm-hmm. injuries are your big concern at the moment. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, let's move on to our bold predictions for the next upcoming week. Uh, one of our marquee matchup games is actually the seven thirty. Right away, Chelsea, Manchester City. It's, this could not be a better time for Chelsea to play City. Mm. It's very possible, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're at home also at Stanford Bridge. Week. What's that? They're at Stanford Bridge as well. Mentioned that. Too. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you have to give Chelsea the edge given the way they're playing and, and what we're the lack of consistency we're seeing from City so far in the league this year. Um, it's not going to by any means be an easy game. It's it's really just going to be a toss up. They're, they're two incredibly high powered sides, um, but I think that that depth in Lukaku, that strength in that in the middle there, is going to give the Chelsea the extra dimension that they they've wanted for the last couple of years. And I think City's going to have a hard time dealing with that. While that back three is just going to have to focus on pacing runners in behind the same way you saw in the Champions League final. So I think this this matchup plays at Chelsea's advantages more than it does City. Yeah, I find it interesting, too. They almost have identical goal differentials, uh, but Chelsea has two more points. The difference being, though, Chelsea's more spread out across all five games where they're scoring mm-hmm. pretty much two or three a game. And then Manchester City really just has two blow-up, five-nothing wins. And then the other three games, they just combine for one goal. So yeah, you really don't know what kind of city you're going to get if you're going to if you're, and what you're going to see. More than likely, I think with Chelsea's defensive ability, they're going to stifle them pretty well, and especially not having a true number nine. I think they'll be able to defend them much easier than yeah. someone that can back down the the, the back three that Tuchel, Tuchel yeah. usually likes. Yeah, I would agree. I think Lukaku is going to have a field day, and he's going to he's going to really tear up that City defense. I think the runners in particular too, who will come into the game. I just can't see City doing anything without a true nine. In all honesty, so yeah, in these bigger games where you you you're not going to win just on pure talent because you're facing teams where the talent's pretty pretty equitable on 
each side of the field. I mean, you need that that other look, that other type of pass, that other type of run, that that different type of number nine is going to give you. And until they have that, it's you're playing one dimensional football, and I'm sure Pep isn't happy over there. Yeah, and Tuchel is just Pep's daddy at this point too. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. How many straight wins against them? So and we jinxed it. Everyone bet City. <laughs> Please do. Oh uh, yeah, I'm gonna take a two one Chelsea win in that one. Yep. Then next up we got Manchester United and Ashton Villa. Also 7:30 a.m. game here Eastern time. I think this will be a better game than people realize, especially because Villa have like <clears throat> you know we were just talking about them. It seems like they're kind of clicking into gear a little bit. So I'd be curious to see what Villa is able to do offensively against Man U. Um, that being said, whenever there's a team with Ronaldo in it, it's very difficult to bet against Ronaldo because that guy will find the score sheet in one way or another. It's a fair so, point. So with that in mind, um, I do think Villa nicks something. I don't think it's enough. I think it's like a 2-1 or a 3-1 kind of win for United. So, Yeah, I think it's going to be a little closer than probably some people are expecting. Um, I mean, Leon Bailey talked about impact substitute last week out. I, he had one goal and he pretty much created the other own goal, which in my opinion, I thought was going to be given as a goal on that cross. Uh, I think he'll probably end up getting the start this week, given the performance that he had. And he's, he's fast. He's tricky. He reminds me of like a quicker Jaden Sancho, basically. Um, I, I think this one's going to end in a draw two two. I think it's going to be a, a high powered affair. Yeah. I definitely see goals flowing in both sides. No doubt. Um, I'm going to say a late, late Manchester United win uh, right here. I think it's going to be a draw of most of the game, very balanced both ways. And then they just find a way at Old Trafford, just figure out how to get three points. Mm-hmm. Mostly, I feel like it's going to be a learning experience for Ashtonville, young team, and then, you know, going through some growing pains. Mm-hmm. Then we got Everton versus relegation candidates, Norwich City. Yeah, I don't think we got to go too far into this one, Everton. I don't know. Are they? They're definitely out without Calvin Louis. He's due back in the beginning of October. Are they still without with Charleston too. Not sure. Not sure. I think he played last week. <clears throat> or Charleston didn't know. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. I don't. I don't think Norwich is going to have enough to do anything to this Everton they, side that still boasts Andrew and you know Andre Gomes, Rondon, Damari Gray, Townsend, Ducore. I think it's just going to be too overwhelming for them. They haven't looked they, the greatest going forward though. Like without without them though, so it will be interesting to watch. I can take, I can see this being a draw. I'm I'm kind of leaning towards that too. I think Norwich literally is their backs up against the wall. So yeah, I feel like they have to come out swinging and at some point. So yeah, and Everton didn't look that great last <laughs> game. I'm yeah, I'm gonna take a draw as well here. Probably either nil nil or one one. Nothing crazy. Uh, Leeds versus West Ham at Leeds. Yeah, this is one I think is going to end up being a draw. Both both sides underperforming, given what we saw from them last year. I think um, they're going to have West Ham has another midweek matchup in the AFL Cup against United, um, mm. which is obviously not an easy task. So I think they're going to be throwing a lot at that, and I'm just curious if three games, two against United, and one obviously large back and forth open game, the same way Leeds like to play. Uh, is going to be too much on their legs potentially now that we're just ramping up into these midweek matches for these sides. Um, I think it's going to be a high scoring affair again, probably two, two, but I think it will end in a draw. Okay. Mike, what's your take on it? That's a good point. I didn't realize they were playing man U in the, in the league cup. Mm-hmm. Um, they're definitely going to want to obviously play for some, with some pride on that game, but revenge. Yeah, I, I could see that. <clears throat> I, I want to say a draw, but I get the feeling it's going to be like a, a, a West Ham 1-0 win by the, by the kind of put a finger on it. Wow. Betting against Leeds to score at home. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take a 2-1 Leeds win. I think West Ham will be a little tired from their midweek match and then another dogfight that they just had with Manchester United. So, and Leeds, Leeds just need something at this point. They're sitting, what, I think one point above relegation right now. They're just a relegation zone, it. so yeah, they're close to it. They're hovering. We haven't seen the typical leads that we have that we've been seeing. Well, we have been seeing typical defense. We haven't seen the typical offense of them going forward. It seems at times when they just keep producing and producing shots, and they're just not they're not converting them. Uh, I think this is maybe the finally the game that they do it. And West Ham been dropping some points lately, so it's like a two one leads win. Then we have Leicester City at home against Burnley. Uh, both teams come off losses. 
Yeah, I think at, at the King Power against a struggling Burnley side who has managed one draw out of their opening five matches, one point. I mean, as much as we were talking about Norwich and how they need to pick it up, Burnley is in no better of a position. Well, one point better of a position, I guess. But <laughs> I, I think, I think I hate to. Sorry, Mike, cover your ears. I know Son Dice is your your man, but. I What's think Leicester are going to bounce back at the King Power, and they'll they'll get all three points here off Burnley. That's okay. He doesn't have to win every game. He just has to draw <laughs> the inevitable ones against City and like Man <laughs> and steal those points, and then just sit at seventeenth or sixteenth to just just avoid relegation. Yeah, just avoid it. Um, but yeah, I, I think Burnley have been kind of trending a little bit down. They're not getting the play and the from the forwards that they need. I will say the signing they brought on uh, Maxwell Cornet last week. He looked really good. Hopefully that brings a different dimension for them. But for this game in particular, you know, Leicester have, it seems like they have something going on where it's like not the greatest, like a little bit of a, a downwards, like they're kind of up and down right now, peaks and valleys. Um, I kind of think this is the game where they try to get it back on track and I can see them winning like two nil, something along those lines. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the Leicester win as well here. Um, I think they have a little bit too much at home. They have coming off a few poor, poor performances. And I think I'm going to go gamers logic on this one. I really have nothing else to do. They're due. They're due. They are due. They're due. They're due. Uh, Watford, Newcastle. Probably another really interesting one. Another winnable game for Watford here at home. Yeah, and I'm going to give it to Watford, actually. Mm. Explain yourself. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, please do. Uh, no, I, I I think the same thing I thought last week when I, I was talking about the Watford and Norwich game. These are were two early candidates for relegation. And ultimately, while you hope you're going to beat some of these bigger sides like City or United or Brighton and, and Liverpool, um, ultimately you live and die by the, the matchups against your relegation opponents. You're, you're basically brothers at that point. You're brothers at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um and if you want to survive, you have to win those games. And I think all these teams, that, especially a team like Watford, who has been relegated before, that has been down there, understands that. And they showed up against Norwich. And I think they're going to show up again against Newcastle, who, like I just said with Burnley, two points from their opening matches, not looking too good for them. So. Okay. Yeah. Watford's been – they have been trending. I, I will say that. They, they have – you know, it got a little rough in the beginning. They got the first win. They got this win. I mean, who's to say they, they can't beat a, a Newcastle team that has looked okay? You know, St. Maximan in particular has looked really good. But um, if he's not playing well, then I'm not really sure where the drive and where the goals and where the creativity besides Almiron really comes from. So I could definitely see the Wat- Watford win. Um, but given if St. Maximan starting, if he's playing and up to speed, I could see it being like a 1-1 draw. So that's where I'd probably... Probably hedge my bet. Yeah, I'm taking a draw here as well. One, one, two, two, somewhere along those lines. Um, he actually looked really good going forward, maximum the other day. Yeah, he's especially he's good. playing the false nines or even striker, whatever they had him at, pretty much because I guess Callum Wilson's out. Um, he looked really, really to nice. see if they can hold on to him, and especially after this season, and if for Watford for Sar because both of those guys have looked so far this year pretty pretty damn good. So yeah. if Newcastle, I mean Newcastle goes down, no no shot, maximum stays. No. Then we got Brentford at home against Liverpool. You feeling an upset? I'd like to say yes, but I don't think so. Because then if I pick Liverpool, apparently Chelsea is going to do the same thing, and I really want them to win. So I'm going to have to <laughs> stick with Liverpool on this one. That's very fair. That's very fair. Um, I think Liverpool is a little bit too strong for Brentford, although defensively they're pretty sound. And, you know, they got they definitely have attackers in Tony and, and Buembo. So... Oh, I, I want to go. I, I got to go Liverpool, but my heart really wants to go Brentford, but I want these points against you guys. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, Liverpool, I, I, they're just in form way too much right now. Like we were saying, the top four are just starting to expand away. So, agreed, agreed. Then we got Southampton versus Wolves. Southampton has been digging out some points barely by the skin of their teeth in some games, and Wolves can't seem to do it. Yeah, even so, though, I think this is going to end. I think it's going to be a share of the spoils. I, I think it's going to end up being uh, a 1 1 draw uh, for both these guys. Oh, you, you're letting Wolf score? Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. <laughs> on goal, I think they're on new goal to South your point, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
they're due again. They're due. What do you think, Mike? Yeah. I mean, wolves have had their struggles and it's looking relatively grim. I still believe in this team. I still believe they're a better team than Southampton. Um, but like you said, Southampton have put in some gritty performances over the past couple of weeks um, in general. So it'll be an interesting game to say the least. I'm just slightly concerned about Southampton's ability to find the back of the net still. And because of that, I would say a one nil win for wolves. I'm going to go one nil win for more. as well. Yeah. Southampton has four points. All of them are draws. They have four, uh, four draws out of five games this season. That's that actually pretty incredible. I mean, you stay at that pace. It gives them somewhat of a shot to stay up, right? Hey, you got to get points. points. Yeah. No, nah. I mean, they're only sitting one, one, uh, one spot above wolves in the standings. They've only put up four goals, you know, giving up mm-hmm. six for Southampton and two and five for wolves respectively. Yeah. So, I mean, realistically, it's, it's gonna, on paper, it's an even match. Um, Talent wise, I think Wolves just has them. And I think, I think, yeah, but I think they're more out of form. No, they definitely are, but just go and then, but it's only really in the final third for the most yeah. part. Yeah, like, exactly. You, you take the two thirds of the pitch into the two account, like they look great. And then, yeah, it's a finishing man. product. It is, man. It is. And I feel bad for them because they have so much going forward. But what are you going to do? Last game of the weekend, the North London Dobby, Arsenal versus Tottenham at the Emirates. Oh, yeah, we got one team trending up, surprisingly, and then another team trending down, unsurprisingly. Not surprisingly. Take a guess which one. That's <laughs> fill in the blank for either team. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, Spurs, Arsenal, North London Derby. Do we really need to say more? Um, it's going to be a pretty good game, obviously. Both teams really need a win. Uh, obviously, for Mikel, it'd be huge to get the win over the North London uh, rivals, especially after the beginning of the season they had. For Spurs, two three nil losses. You best believe Nuno has to put out an attacking team to go out and fucking really take it to Arsenal. So it's going to be a pretty. I think it's going to be a pretty high octane game in general, like it normally is. Being a Spurs fan, North London derby. I think this is the game that Kane kind of finally breaks the duck, scores his goal, just because it's it's Arsenal and that's what he does. So with that in mind, I am picking a two to one win, uh, Spurs against arsenal wow steve mike just chose that strict because he's a spurs fan <laughs> uh i've actually liked the, the the look of arsenal the last two weeks they've been extremely more creative than they were in their first three games i think their expected goals over the past two games have been about five or something along those lines so it's been pretty pretty big difference odegaard looks great in the middle of the field smith row saka even Aubameyang scored recently so i mean Everything seems to be clicking Arsenal's way, and Tottenham can't seem to buy anything at this point. Uh, I'm going to take a t- uh, Arsenal 2 0 win. Wow, we're going to have three different predictions this week because let's go. I, I am I am not of like mind with what you just said, Steve. I I am very worried this is going to be a, a dull affair. You're talking about an Arsenal team that's created two goals in five games and a Spurs side that has contributed three goals in five games, all of them in different games, nonetheless. I think both sides have major issues in their creativity or their finishing, what have you. I think Spurs mm-hmm. more so in the creativity with Arsenal a little more in their finishing. Aubameyang's got to step it up the same way Kane needs to. Um, granted, this Derby's never really a dull affair. There's always something good going on with this game. So he, it would be a there's always fun, a red card game to watch. In there. <laughs> What's that? There's always a red card. Yeah. Someone, yeah. someone getting punched or a, in the Or face. a worldie. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think this is going to be a 1-1 draw. All around, I don't think there's enough quality to to dispatch either one of them. Fair, very fair. Before we end the show, though, we do have our prediction counter that we gotta gotta update and everything. Um, two one of us game. are sitting at what's up? One more game. Palace which one, Brighton. Which one we got? Palace and Brighton. Oh, you right, you yeah. right. My bad. So, what are you feeling? Brighton, obviously, they're moving for sure. They're moving. Yeah, I mean, they, they're getting points out of left field. They're getting lucky. Luck is on your side. Ride the luck. Brighton. I mean, uh, technically, they're a better team than City, so I happen you vote against them. You make yeah. a good point. They are Champions League <laughs> contenders right now. <laughs> Dude, definitely you are. never bet against a heater, ever. <laughs> I mean, that's how, exactly how you lose all your money, though. I've been there. It's or you yeah. triple it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm doubling down. Very on fair them point, this very week, point. definitely against the struggling Palace side, absolutely. 
they only seem to struggle against the really top teams, though, like Chelsea <laughs> and Liverpool, where they they where they've 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 stuttered. So it's a little bit more difficult to say what kind of Brighton team's going to show up, though, too. Steve, they only they only stutter against the top teams. Yeah, thank you. No, I was going to say that's funny because they just beat Tottenham three zero. Yeah, that's what exactly what I said. No disagreement. It's okay. I'm not arguing that. Top teams, right? Yeah. I know. Point it out. Crack it up. But um, no, realistically, I against. Two very high quality opponents in Chelsea and Liverpool is where they they struggled, and you, you could see a difference in the quality of the teams. And then everyone else, they seem to play really, really well. So uh, I would probably take a draw on this one, probably one one. Now at the end of the show, what's up? I'm going back to a two one score line, the same way they did it this week. Okay, okay, very fair. They need some help by the referees though, and VAR in that situation. <laughs> yeah. They won't be at home either. I don't think. Right there in Palace. Yeah, they're they're in Crystal Palace. Okay. Never know. Then we got the prediction counter. We got to update. There's two of us sitting with 25 points and then someone else who loves being in second or later in the standings with his club and his self when he's predict, uh, making match predictions. Steven Vito <laughs> sit at 25. Mike sits at 24. Almost halfway there, man. Good job. Hey, it's a long season. Still opportunity. I'm just trying to be different. I'm trying to make a, make a name for myself, not to follow the path that everyone's taken with these predictions. He's adopting a Sean Dice strategy. <laughs> survive just survive that's it then all of a sudden he beats us the last week and gets first place trying to keep it a little little respectable yeah 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 any other guys final thoughts on the week coming up i know we got some cup matches anything you want to point out there yeah, just a big rematch now for west ham i think is the main talking point west ham united coming up on wednesday um mm-hmm. i'm sure west ham will feel terrible about the way that game ended with pk save but um, that's probably the big game to watch midweek. Gotcha. Yeah, now we got Chelsea, Aston Villa again for some Premier League clubs that are going uh, head-to-head. Spurs, Wolves. Spurs, mm-hmm. Wolves as well. Oh, another Nuno, yeah. another Nuno coming back. Okay. Yeah, another mm-hmm. Nuno affair. Like to see it, like to see it. But yeah, anything else you guys got to cover? No, that's it for me, my man. All right, Mike? Um, At the moment, no. I cannot think of anything right now. So. All right, all right, then. That'll do it for another episode of this of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. Like, comment, and hit the bell to subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also find us on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere else you get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at the SLScreamers underscore pod for daily tweets and updates about the show, World Football, Premier League, United States Men's National Team. I'm your host, Steve McCutcheon, along with Vito Anazelli and Michael Noen, signing off. <laughs>